Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Long time no here. I know last week I was missing in action, had some midterms to do and so forth, but I'm back. I'm ready. Um, I'm locked and loaded. We got something. We got some really interesting stories to get into today. Obviously, the breaking news with Aaron Rodgers returning back to Green Bay. Um, I just I just knew I was going to start this episode off with an NBA story, with an NBA conversation, with an NBA segment. Nope, NFL segment. So I got to get the Aaron Rodgers and the breaking news out of Green Bay. If you haven't heard, if you don't already know, he's returning back to Green Bay um, on a new contract, a new four-year contract that I'm going to dive into and get into the logistics of, obviously, obviously, obviously. Um, the Calvin Ridley story, a really interesting story, but I think it's really simple to break down um, in terms of what happened and what's going to happen. Uh, very, really, really unfortunate. But I'm also going to get to some NBA today. So I, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of both worlds, uh, but obviously NFL offseason, getting ready to kick off, uh, the draft and so forth. Uh, I might bring a couple of people on to talk about the draft, this, this year's upcoming draft, this year's upcoming draft isn't as discussed and talked about as much as last year because last year's draft draft class, the quarterbacks were just like noteworthy names. Uh, not to say that these guys isn't this year, but it was just so much attention and press that was given to last year's quarterback class. This year's quarterback class, uh, not as much, but a lot of really good defensive players. So I'm going to bring somebody on in the next coming uh, episodes to talk about and break down the NFL draft since the NFL draft is right around the corner next month. Um, so that's that. But first and foremost, welcome back. I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid podcast. Uh, shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to all the first time listeners. You're first time listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, shouts out to all the regular listeners. If you've been continue, you know, constantly checking in with me. Um, for the last two years in this podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're a regular listener, thank you. Um, and let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, let's start with, like I said, the breaking news out of Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> and the Green Bay Packers agree to a four-year, $200 million deal for him to return and also $150 million, $153 million guaranteed. Now, in terms of the options that was laid out as far as Aaron Rodgers being possibly traded, because that was the thing, that was the storyline this past season. This this past season being Aaron Rodgers potentially last season in Green Bay. And we heard teams like Denver, uh, Pittsburgh was often thrown out there. Even Tennessee got into the mix. Now, I'm going to tell you guys why. I throughout the year I I have stated I think Green Bay is is the, the is the destination in the team that Aaron Rodgers should stay with. I think I, I I just thought he should stay. I thought it made the most sense. Um I thought these other options that were that people were throwing out I thought they were they were good options. They were they were valid and strong and legitimate options. For Aaron Rodgers and for his next destination or next team as he so desired. But I just thought Green Bay made the most sense. And I was on the Green Bay train. I was on I was on the train of Aaron Rodgers staying put in Green Bay because I thought that was the best fit. 
Well, okay. So let's look at the real three options that were on the table this offseason for Aaron Rodgers, just in case he wanted to get traded, right? Um, there was Denver, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. Now, all three. Now, I have a I have a whole thing I'm gonna get into in terms of the AFC right now. But in terms of these three individual teams, options that were on the table for Aaron Rodgers, they were all good options. But let me tell you what I did not like about these three options, one by one. First, Denver. Denver, first-year head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know if he can coach. We don't know. We don't know. He's unproven. That's not a problem in Green Bay. Matt LaFleur, 13 straight, uh, three, three straight seasons with 13-plus victories. So there's something there with Matt LaFleur. I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett can coach. But more importantly, the AFC West division. You have to play Patrick Mahomes twice, Justin Herbert twice, and Derek Carr, who, who, who's not so bad either. you got to pay him twice. So you got to play those guys six times a year. And ultimately, if Aaron Rodgers would – if he was to join that division, that would probably be the greatest quarterback division of all time. So you got to play those guys six times a year. That's really – that's not really the best recipe or formula to – winning the division, you know, getting to the playoffs, getting a good seeding, and ultimately trying to win a Super Bowl. That is probably the toughest scenario. Playing Mahomes, Herbert, and Derek Carr two times a year. You got to play those guys. You got to see those guys six times a year. The division is tough. You had, obviously, Kansas City, who's a Super Bowl contender. and has been a Super Bowl contender for the past couple years. Herbert. And the Chargers, they a lot of people, a lot of NFL pundits, including myself, thought the Chargers were a legitimate playoff team this year. At least their talent said so. They didn't make the playoffs. They fell short. But we expect the Chargers to be a playoff. We expect them to be a playoff caliber team. And they were really good. They have a really talented roster on both sides of the ball. And then with the Raiders. Despite all the dysfunction that we saw throughout the throughout the year in terms of their front office and their coaching position, Derek Carr kept them afloat, and the Raiders found themselves in the playoffs. So we have three legitimate playoff teams in that AFC West division already. Kansas City competing for Super Bowls, Chargers, young emerging superstar quarterback with a lot of talent on both sides. And then Derek Carr just keeps on overcoming the Raiders' dysfunction, and he made them a playoff team last year. So that's those were the two key things that I did not necessarily like about Denver. Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin is really great. He's a great coach. But Pittsburgh has an offensive line issue. The offensive line is horrible. And then the OC, they, they just can't seem to figure out the proper or the right offensive coordinator who, like, they have gagged the pit. The Steelers have gagged on their last few offensive coordinators. They just can't seem to get it right. That's a problem. We already know Aaron Rodgers is a bit, he's a bit two faced. And over the past, he's had his discrepancies with, with play callers and coaching. So the mere fact that Pittsburgh can't figure out what's the right Connect like they can't seem to hire the right offense coordinator. That's a problem. And then, like I said, the offensive line is atrocious. And then on top of that, the AFC North also, <laughs> where Baltimore they had a down year last year because of COVID and all the injuries and so forth. But we expect Baltimore to be back 
being Baltimore next year with Lamar Jackson healthy. And then Cincinnati, they're a young and emerging franchise. They got a nice young core on offense with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Mixon and so forth. So the AFC North division is also tough. And then with Tennessee, the big issue with Tennessee is they're literally in too deep with Ryan Tannehill's contract. The Ryan Tannehill contract would have been a problem. Even if Tan, well, Tan, if you if you get Aaron Rodgers, you got to trade Ryan Tannehill. Even with them trading Ryan Tannehill, they're they're stuck. They're like in quicksand with his contract because they still have two years left on his deal. So you trade Tannehill, but you would still have you'll be still stuck with his deal for two more years. On top of you're gonna have to pay Aaron Rodgers. So that was just financially, that was going to be a bind for Tennessee. But if you've noticed, for the first two teams, with Denver and Pittsburgh, I talked about their division. Not necessarily the personnel. I think Pittsburgh, defensively, they're great. But they have some personnel issues on offense, whether it's the offensive line or the offensive coordinator and the play caller. But also, the division they play in. And then Denver, the division they play in. And this is why I think Green Bay made the most sense. Staying in Green Bay made the most sense. Guess what? Green play Green Bay plays me, you, everybody listening. Everybody knows that the NFC North is a utter mess. It's a utter disaster. Detroit is going to be Detroit. Chicago is rebuilding. Minnesota is on a yearly basis regressing at this point. And then as a conference, as a as an NFC conference along, it's virtually open. No Brady, no Sean Payton. I mean, the 49ers are obviously a threat. The Rams, the Super Bowl defending, the, the, the defending champions are obviously there. But outside of that, we don't know who's real in the NFC. Seattle may bounce back. I don't know. Arizona may bounce back. I don't know. We don't know. Dallas may bounce back. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So the NFC is virtually open. You look out the AFC, you got Kansas City, you got Buffalo, you got Cincinnati, you got the Patriots. <laughs> Murderers Row, so many young quarterbacks, so many young. And out in the AFC, if you look at the trend, the AFC have a lot of young, emerging quarterback talents. And with those quarterback talents, those franchises are on their – those quarterbacks are on their rookie deals. So that means those teams are able to load up their rosters as best as possible. And they got loaded rosters with really young quarterbacks that's on cheap deals. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson for now. But even with the guys that's got that's already been paid, like Josh Allen, Mahomes, they're so damn good. They can carry their franchises. <laughs> so that was that. So you look at the AFC, the AFC as a conference alone, it's just loaded. It's just, it's just loaded. In the NFC, you don't have those problems. Yeah, you got Russell Wilson. Yeah, the Rams are still there. The Rams are gonna be good for years, for the next coming years. But outside of that, outside of the Rams and maybe the 49ers, are we really sold on anybody else out in out, out in the NFC? Are we really sold on anybody else? Like, you know, I mentioned Dallas, but Dallas got their financial issues. You know, you know, New Orleans, they got their own financial issues as well. They they don't know who their quarterback is. That's a big that's a big problem. 
like, so we don't know who else is real out in the NFC. So the NFC is virtually open outside of the Rams. The Rams are, like I said, the Rams are obviously there. The Rams ain't going nowhere. 49ers, uh, 49ers probably not going nowhere either. Outside of those two teams, who else are we really, like, solid on in the NFC? Nobody. So Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, it's not necessarily, like, the perfect fit. They don't always get along. They, they're not bosom buddies. But it made the most sense for Aaron Rodgers. Not only with Green Bay being in the NFC North, that's just constantly dysfunctional, but Aaron Rodgers, he can also, he, you know, you, we know how Aaron Rodgers is petty. We know how petty Aaron Rodgers is. He can bang on the Jordan Love pick because now it seems as if the Jordan Love pick, it was just a wasted first-round pick. That, that, that's, that's what it comes down to. It was a wasted first-round pick. But not only that, oh, okay, Oh, wow. So, I'm sorry. I'm going to finish this segment, but there is breaking news. <laughs> um, So, the, the Jordan Love pick is a wasted pick. But also, Green Bay does a really good job with developing, with developing and drafting people. Like, development, Green Bay always does a good job at that. Offensive line, always solid. The weapons, we can, we can discuss the weapons. But the weapons aren't bad. The weapons were good enough over the past three years to to land them the number one seed. So the Packers, the Packers are definitely the they it made the most sense for Aaron Rodgers. And sorry if I found I, if I if I now sound a bit discombobulated because I just seen breaking news that I'm going to get to, but I want to finish this this opening segment. But maybe. And, and, and in terms of the contract and the logistics of the financial of, of, of the financials of the contract, so Green Bay, it's a it's a it's a really team friendly deal. Now, obviously, on the back end of the contract, there could be some uh, there could be some some cap issues on the back end of the years on the, of the contract. But in terms of the foreseeable future. Maybe this is the new wave of paying quarterbacks loading up all of the guaranteed money so there's less punitive there's left punitives on the cap so the contract is left punitive um and on the on the cap space in the salary maybe this is the new wave maybe we'll start we'll start seeing this as the new wave of paying quarterbacks where load up all the guaranteed dollars as much as possible so the cap hit isn't as big isn't as tremendous so I think Green Bay, I think Aaron Rodgers standing Green Bay made the most sense. Then let me get to the breaking news. Speaking of the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos have traded for Russell Wilson. Um, I'm going to get you guys the details, but this is happening live as it happened right in the middle of my um right in the middle of my segment. So I'm going to get the details. That's why I started to sound a bit discombobulated. So the Seahawks have traded Russell Wilson to the Broncos for multiple first round picks and more picks and players. I got to get, I got to, I, gotta, I want the Pacifics. Uh, I want the particulars in the deal. And this is, uh, this is mid, this is mid segment. This is mid show. I, like I, I, I'm up front with you guys. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to turn off the mic. 
this is this is uh this is real. Russell Wilson, who you guys know, I'm really high on Russell Wilson. Um, and the, and speaking of the AFC, the AFC just got a lot more tougher. Um. Okay, I'm still looking. I'm looking for the particulars. Sorry. Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe all of the details haven't come out yet. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is crazy. This is live, too. I'm sorry, y'all, but this is live. Uh, as I'm searching Twitter and the Twitter world, the Twitterverse, uh, and I'm trying to get trying to get you guys uh, what you need. Trying to get you guys what you need. Um, <laughs> this is really fun. This is fun for me. This is fun for me. I'm loving it. So, yeah, maybe uh, the trade is pending, a physical and Wilson's and Russell Wilson's approval, right? Uh, but it seems as if Russell Wilson is now going to be a Denver Bronco. He's going to be in the orange and blue. Um, I know some Bronco fans. Uh, I'm really high on Russell Wilson. Uh, so this is this should be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna let this. I'm gonna let this. <laughs> I'm gonna let this uh, marinate for a little bit, but this is happening. Um, Russell Wilson, as I was just talking about Denver Broncos and the AFC and how loaded the AFC is already with all of the quarterback talents. Here we go with another AFC team getting a superstar quarterback, and also the AFC West. Check this out. Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. The greatest quarterback division of all time. Uh so yeah, that should be interesting. I'm going to take a I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to try to sort through the details and try to find it for you guys, but this is live podcast. This is how it goes. I don't want to I don't want to I really don't want to stop the mic. I want to go I want to freelance a little bit. But this is really how it goes. So I'm glad, and I'm glad you guys are getting this, uh, this, this live reaction of mine. I'm glad you guys are getting this live reaction of mine. I'm, I'm in a bunch of group chats, so my group chats are going off. I'm looking at what my group chats are saying. But this is live, um, blockbuster trade. As I was just talking about, Dem and and, and Denver, you could tell Denver was really, really aggressive. They probably tried to offer Denver. Probably tried to offer Green Bay a deal. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers stuff got fixed out, so Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. But then um, it looked like they were pursuing after a superstar quarterback, and that's what they got. So Denver, you know, Denver now looks really good. Denver, Denver looks to be like a contender. Um, we'll see what happens. Drew Locke. So see, that's why I wanted. I didn't want to turn the mic off yet. Drew Locke is being traded to the Seahawks in the Russell Wilson deal. So Drew Locke is included in the Russell Wilson deal. Um, I'm trying to see uh, who else is included. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at <laughs> PFF just uh they pointed out Jerry Judy's uh roller coaster emotions today. Judy, you know, he had a sad face emoji once he found out the news about Aaron Rodgers. But then just an hour and a half later, <laughs> he said he tweets out, Oh, we lit, uh, because of the Russell Wilson trade. So uh a roller coaster of emotions. Patrick Mahomes, oh yeah. Yeah, so Patrick Mahomes, woof, that deal, that deal is, uh, this is big, this is big, wow, I wanted to get the, I wanted to get to the Calvin Ridley story, because I was just, I was amazed about how people were talking about it, but I'm gonna get to it, I'm gonna get to it. I'm going to get to it. Um, yeah, this is live. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it sounds like I, I'm just sorting through my my group chats and so forth. But I'm going to take a quick break because this is exciting to me. I'm, I'm very excited uh, that we're doing this today because there's so much breaking news happening. And it happened live as I was recording. So, this is good. 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 I love it. I love it. Uh, I'll be back real quick after the sh- after the short break. Uh, so, <laughs> in the midst of that breaking news of Russell Wilson, um, that I'm going to get to really, really soon, uh, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to talk about this Calvin Ridley situation, which shouldn't take too long because I don't think it's that difficult to really break down. It's nothing uh, too, you know, not really rocket science, right? Calvin Ridley got suspended. Mind you, Calvin Calvin Ridley did not play this past year due to mental health issues. Um, And I'm not bringing this up. I'm not bringing this up as an excuse or anything. Absolutely not. I'm not bringing this up as an excuse, but I'm just trying to give my listeners, you guys, some some background information on Calvin Ridley because he's a really standout receiver, but he didn't play this year, so he was out of sight, out of mind. But he did not play this past year because of mental health reasons. he was looking to be traded. The Falcons didn't trade him in good faith because they probably figured that he would be he would be suspended for these actions. Now, Calvin Ridley recently was suspended for a year. He's now going to be suspended for a year due to him betting on NFL games. Obviously, as a player, that's a no-no. Um, and you'll be surprised the amount of people that were surprised or that was um that was just confused as to why Calvin Ridley was suspended and it's it's unfortunate and a sad situation for Calvin Ridley and um the timing is bad right as you're in the midst of trade talks and trying to get traded um now you can't be traded right uh, for this year because of this so Bad timing and a bad situation and unfortunate. But the NFL make this really, really clear to their players that they can't bet on NFL games. And that's just like, that's just, that's just an obvious rule to have. Like NFL players can't bet on NFL games because you're playing in these games. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I don't I don't understand where the confusion is coming from. I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is hypocrisy. The owners are able to bet. Well, there's different rules for owners and bosses and players and employees and so forth. And when those rules are clearly stated, uh, it, like when they're clearly stated. There's. There's no reason to go back and forth. The rule is the rule. You can't bet on NFL games. Colin really can bet on college games. He can bet on a baseball game. You can't bet on NFL games. Simple as that. It's not difficult, not hard to really grasp. And then the nerve of Colin really to have, um, he had his own name on the betting account. I mean, it is a rule. You can't do it. But if you're going to try to do it and get away with it, maybe use a different name. No, he used his name on the betting account to make the bet. I don't get why it's so hard for people to wrap their minds around like, you can't do this. And then he did it, and it's like, okay, you did it. It was one bet for $1,500. So you risk fifteen hundred dollars to lose millions. I don't know. It's just not smart. Not a smart move at all. Not a smart move at all. And on top of that, it's like, why? Like, why? You supposed to be out for mental health? Why? Why? So that's that. The Calvin Ridley story. That's the Calvin Ridley story. Uh, Atlanta. They clear up some cap space because his contract is void until twenty twenty three. Um, because of due to his his um suspension, but really weird situation with Calvin Ridley. Um, you just can't do it. You ju- you just can't do it. So that's that. It's a rule. It's clearly stated. I, that's the end of it. Now we can have a conversation about like should the should the should should the um excuse me should the suspension be a year long? Like should it be that long? Should it be six months? Should it be a couple games? Should it be eight games? We can ha- we can have that conversation, but the conversation of like right and wrong and him breaking a rule, like it's clearly obvious. Like you can't do that. You you can't do that. So that's that. Uh, that was quick. But now I want to get into the Russell Wilson story and the trade and all of the details because we have gathered the details of this trade now. So what what a, what a what a crazy episode, right? Um. I have the Russell as I as I promised. Uh, I have the Russell Wilson trade details, and it's this: the Broncos obviously receive Russell Wilson, um, pending that he does approve of this trade because Russell Wilson does have a no trade clause, where he can basically choose whether or not he wants to go to this certain place. Uh, I think he will probably uh, he'll probably ele- he'll probably elect to go to Denver. So the Broncos obviously receive Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick. The Seahawks get back a boatload of picks. They get five picks back. Um, they get two first rounders, two second rounders, and a fifth round pick. Uh, and then they get three players: Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant. Um, I think this is a good move for Russell Wilson. Uh, th- now. On my opening segment, talking about Aaron Rodgers and how I thought Green Bay was the better fit, was the best fit for Aaron Rodgers, and it made the most sense. Um, Denver, they they got a couple questions, right? The the Nathaniel Hackett, 
as a coach. Is he a good coach? We gotta we gotta see what 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 is the fan you hack it. What what does he have? What does he have? What it take to be a Super Bowl level coach? Because ultimately, when you're trading for Russell Wilson, you look at Denver's roster. Denver don't have a lot. They don't have too many holes. Denver don't have too many holes. So Dem so Denver giving up picks on on top of picks, it, it's not gonna really affect them. Big, it's not gonna affect them much. Um, Seattle is the team that need picks and players, but with Denver. They're ready to compete now. They're ready to compete and win big now. Um, you look at what they, they got. They have really, really good secondary play. Their corners are really good. Um, Justin Simmons, obviously, uh, Sertan. They got Kyle Fuller. Um, or yeah, Kyle Fuller or Kendall Fuller. They have the full. They have Fuller. Um, uh, Darby. So their their secondary is really, really good. Their secondary, it's elite. Um, their defense is pretty solid. They have re- they have receiving weapons. They have Jerry Judy. They got Colton Sutton. They got KJ Hamler. Uh, they did move off of Noah Fant, but uh, Noah Font. But they have really really good talent on both sides of the ball. Now, I'm in a, and I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm 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 really excited because I am really excited because this is big. Uh, this is a huge trade. From a Denver, from a Russell Wilson perspective, I like it. Um, the Seattle, the Seattle Russell Wilson, and the Pete Curl relationship, and that that whole dynamic has been a ray, and has just gone downhill for the past like three years. Uh, I, I've I've pointed it out over the over the past couple off seasons with Pete Curl. Pete Curl, 70 years of age. Pete Curl has, he's stuck on his philosophy um, offensively, which is, it's it's very 1980, 1990 football, where it's ground and pound, running the ball, playing good defense. That's his offensive philosophy. And in 2022, that's just not going to work. That's just not going to work. That's just not going to cut it. And it's especially not going to cut it when you have an all-pro superstar-level quarterback. When you have an all-pro superstar-level elite quarterback, you you can't you can't have that philosophy. You can't be stuck in that on that philosophy. So when 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 I'm thinking about offensive philosophy and then just looking at what Seattle has done throughout the draft, um, and throughout just free agency period, like they traded offensive lineman Max Unger. For Jimmy Graham, Jimmy, I, I never, I never really loved that trade because Jimmy Graham was more of a finesse tight end, and with Seattle, you need a tight end that's going blo- that's going to be able to run block, pass block, and obviously catch when needed. The fit of Jimmy Graham being a finesse tight end, he can't block, can't block. So I, I didn't like that trade. I thought they over I thought they overcompensated for Jimmy Graham. I thought they also overcompensated for Jamal Adams. I, I as I talked about, I like Jamal Adams. I like Jamal Adams. I think he's he, he's a he's a really really good defensive player. He's a he's 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 a good safety, but he's more of a box safety. He's a great tackler, he's a really good pass rusher, but he cannot cover. And I thought Seattle overcompensated 
for Jamal Adams. But you know the reason why, you know one of the main reasons why I think they overcompensated for Jamal Adams? Well, over the past couple years in the draft, they have been awful. They have they they have whiffed on picks after picks after picks. They have overcompensated. They have drafted. They've dra- they've reached for guys who shouldn't have been drafted as high as they was, as high as they were. So when you have so when you're overcompensating and you're missing, you're just continuously missing on picks. When you have a chance to strike on a player like Jamal Adams, you typically overcompensate. Because drafting wise, you're not doing too good. The sal, the, you know, salary cap, salary cap strict league. You're gonna overcompensate in these type of trades and these deals, and that's the that's just the trap that Seattle has fallen into. So essentially, after the Legion of Boom left, after the Legion of Boom left, Seattle's defense has been a bottom five defense. So when I look at the move for Russell Wilson and that whole relationship between Russell Wilson, the front office, and Pete Curl, it's gone array. It's it's been bad. It's a it's a bad. It's been a it's a relationship that has just it hit a dry spell, and it was never going to work. It was never going to work. It was not going to work. It, it the way how it's going to end. And I always imagine, I always imagine their relationship ending like this: Russell Wilson departing, Russell Wilson leaving, getting traded, so forth. I didn't, I, and I told you guys this. I told you guys this last off season, going into going into this season. I told you guys this is going to be Russell Wilson's last year as a Seahawk. I felt, I, I mean, last year the trade, the trade rumors were swirling. Um. It didn't help that Seattle this year didn't have a great year. They didn't have a great year. Some of that was due to Russ Wilson his injury, which was unfortunate. But Seattle just have a lot. They their roster just have a lot of holes. So they're in desperate need of players and picks. That's what they got. With Denver, like I said, Denver, they're ready to win. They're ready to win now. Um, now with them, granted, with them being ready to win now. And it seems as if their roster is going to be, they're going to have a really good roster. They're going to have a really good team. Their division is murderous role. And this leads to a conversation about like the dynamic of the NFC and the AFC. What's going on, what's happening. Because what I wanted to point out before all of this trade talk, before all of these quarterbacks were on the move, I have noticed that the AFC have a they they have an influx of young quarterback talent. Now there's some teams that have already paid their young superstar quarterbacks, like Buffalo, like Kansas City, where Mahomes, Josh Allen, those guys are so damn good. Where Buffalo and Kansas City, they had no other choice. The first, first of all, they had no other choice but to pay those guys. But then with them paying those guys, those guys are so good. They can overcome some of some of their team's deficiencies, and their teams are still going to be really good. And then you have your you have your quarterbacks. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson has been paid already. He got him. He got some legal stuff to handle. Lamar Jackson is looking to be able to. He's looking to be paid and so forth. Baltimore is going to be Baltimore is going to bounce back. But then you look at the influx of young quarterbacks still in the AFC. 
but they're on rookie deals. So that allows their teams to load up their roster and strengthen their rosters in different spots. And their young superstar quarterbacks are cheap. That I'm talking about the Chargers, the Bengals. Those type of teams are able to just load up on talent around their young quarterbacks because their young their young superstar quarterbacks are cheap. So now there's a mixture of star superstar quarterbacks all throughout the AFC, and the AFC is now is is deep. It's deeper than ever, and the NFC it's it's virtually wide open. It's you know the NFC is virtually wide open. You got, I mean, like I said, like I said in the opening segment. You have the Rams, who's obviously still there. They're going to be there. You got the Packers now with Aaron Rodgers returning. You, you expect them to be good. You got the 49ers. But then after that, it's a whole bunch of unknowns. It's, it's some question marks. I mean, Dallas, you know, we don't know what's going on. They got their financial issues. They're releasing players. Um, you, know, I, I, you, you don't know. New Orleans, they have financial troubles, but they have to find their quarterback. You know, obviously Arizona, they're having their discrepancy with Kyla Mary. So the so the NFC is wide open and the AFC is is deep. So Denver, and let's talk about the job that Denver's GM has done. And one of my one of my friends pointed it out, pointed it out to me. He was like, hold up. He was like, Denver's GM with the Von Miller trade, he traded Von Miller. And got back a second round pick. He, you know, he traded Von Miller. I'm sorry. He traded Von Miller and a second round pick. Got back a second round pick. Von Miller is now a free agent. It seems as if Von Miller may re-sign. He may sign back with the Broncos. And that pick that they got back for Von Miller. In exchange of Von Miller, they used it in the Russell Wilson deal. And now they get Von Miller back. So virtually the Broncos GM, that was that was first, that was genius. Like traded Von Miller. He got a second round back for Von Miller, used that second round pick that he got back for Von Miller in the Russell Wilson deal. And then in free agency, they could very well get Von Miller back. It's it, it, they can very well get Von Miller back. So it's like that. That's just magical. That's 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 smart and that's genius. How the Broncos GM was able to work that out. That was one of that was that was something what that one of my friends had pointed out. Shout out to Ron for that. Like traded Von Miller, got a second round back for him, used that second round pick in the Russell Wilson deal that was included. Right then, Von Miller free agent. Von Miller could very well sign back with the Broncos. So it's like virtually like. It's like that was that was really good. That was a really good move and smart GMing. And I think this goes we talk about it a lot in terms of the quarterback and the coach in terms of the NFL, but it really shows how important, how valuable it is to have a competent and smart GM. Because we look at Seattle, Seattle in their front office, as I explained, they have whiffed on picks, missed on picks overcompensated for players in the draft um, or or in trading for dudes like Jamal Adams or Jimmy Graham, where the, where the trades have just been horrendously bad. And 
you look at Denver, Denver over the past couple of years, they have drafted the right guys. They have dra- they've loaded up at receiver. They have weapons all over the place. They've loaded up their secondary. Um, it's going to be really hard to throw on Denver. So, I, I, and, and looking at this division, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, you know, the rate, and, you know, I feel bad for Raiders fans. Raider fans, you got you got to face three top ten quarterbacks, like three legitimate top ten quarterbacks, all pro level quarterbacks. Oh my God! If you're I, I, God bless a Raiders fan, you got to face Mahomes, Herbert, and Russell Wilson. Good God! Six times, six times. Good God! That that that's that's gonna be that's gonna be that that wow. But. That quarterback division is like probably the greatest quarterback division ever. Like Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Um, there's just so much. There's just so much dynamic. Like, um, I'm 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 thinking about Seattle. Like, obviously, this is like a a reboot stage. This is them rebooting and rebuilding a little bit. Uh, so I'm looking at a guy like Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's 31 years of age, still a really good linebacker. He has one more year left on his deal, on his current deal. Um, I think Bobby Wagner is definitely a potential trade um, piece. He's going to be a guy that's going to be, he, you know, I don't think he's going to be a part of this rebuilding process. So Bobby Wagner could very well be on the move as well um, very soon. Um, so... You know, I'm just, you know, I know some people are talking about DK Metcalf and his future. DK, DK Metcalf, he, he's a younger guy. So Seattle probably bring in a young quarterback. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the quarterback market looks like now, but they did get Drew Locke in exchange. Um, but if they're not too fond of Drew Locke, um, Mitch Trubisky is going to be on the market. Carson Wentz may be on the market. So Seattle, they can be. They can be okay this year. I don't think they're going to be bad this year, right? But this year's draft class of quarterbacks isn't as good as next year's. Next year's quarterback class is going to be better as far as the draft. So they could just wait it out and stick it out for this year and just to- do a total rebuild um, because that's what it's looking like. That That's what it's looking like. You know, I'm looking at Bobby Wagner, his contract, and his age. Definitely, he's definitely going to probably be on the move. I would be surprised if the Seahawks kept opted to keep Bobby Wagner. I think he's probably going to be the next uh, domino that's going to be moved. But even with a a guy like Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown, older left tackle, but didn't have his best year this year. And And he's Seattle's best offensive line. That's a whole other thing we can get into, where Seattle offensive line over the past several years has just been bad. And their their best offensive lineman by far had a really down year this year. So just a lot of surrounding movements and parts. I I bam. I boy, oh boy. Like I'm so glad. I'm happy about this NFL news. Like we had two big time stories today on today's episode. But boy, I wanted to talk about some NBA. You know, I wanted to really talk about some NBA. Um I am going to say this, though. I, I, I want to talk about the Celtics soon at the end of this uh, episode. I do want to talk about the Celtics. Um, but, boy, I, I just I just knew 
that this pod, this episode was going to be so I was going to have some NBA content because I I've been I know my you know my NBA fans have been pressuring me about more NBA content. The NFL season's over. We need more NBA content. And boy, there's just more NFL stories leaking, like breaking news. Breaking news. So, that's that. Um the AFC gets deeper. The NFC is losing its strength and it's the NFC seems very wide open. The AFC quarterback like oh my goodness, so many quarterbacks in the AFC is just amazing. So we'll see what happens with that. But this is a huge episode. Huge. A lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Uh, like I said, for, for, for Russell Wilson, he gets weapons. Denver is certainly in a better situation than Seattle right now, where Seattle, they're, they're in a need, they're in desperate need of picks and players. Denver, they're in a win-now mode now. Denver's one big hole was quarterback. That was Denver's missing piece. They were in need of a quarterback. They, I mean, honest in all honesty, they only gave up two first-round picks. I thought prior to me getting um, the, the Russell Wilson trade details, I ultimately thought that Russell Wilson – the, the trade, I thought the Broncos would have to give up more first-rounders than what they did. They only gave up two first-rounders. I thought they gave up three or four first-rounders. So they only gave up two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and a fifth-round pick. So in total of five picks um, and three players for an all-pro-level quarterback who is still, what, 32, 33? That's not bad. And Russell Wilson, for the most part, um, with the exception of last year, Russell Wilson has be, he's been a uh, he's been a really healthy player. He's been a healthy guy, so he's not really injury prone. It's not like he's a banged up or washed up thirty three. Last year he had the injury, but over the course of his career, um, he he hasn't been a guy. He's been a healthy guy. He's been a healthy quarterback. So that's really good for Denver. Denver gets better. Denver gets a whole lot better. Denver gets a whole lot better. Their, their competition, the, the AFC West is heating up. Um, I tell you this. I don't I can't really make a decision on who wins the AFC West. Um, I tell you this though. The thing you hack it, we gotta see how he is as a coach, right? We gotta see if he can coach and the play calling and so forth. But I tell, I say this, the one thing that Denver has, the one advantage that Denver has that could be a very important advantage is the mere fact that they have a really good secondary. Because in a, in a court, in a division like this with some great quarterbacks, what do you need on defense? Either a pass rush or a great secondary. In a division like this, where the quarterback play is going to be really good, regardless. The quarterback play is going to be great with Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Dirk Carr. What is the one, what is the thing that you must, that you like, 
that you're going to have to need in a division like this. Either a great pass rush or a great secondary. Denver, they have a great secondary. Denver could very well also have a great pass rush. They have the best secondary in this division. So going up against Herbert, Derek Carr, Mahomes, secondary, defensive backs, safeties. Denver has that advantage because they have the best secondary in this division. And then they could very well have a great pass rush. So the one key advantage and the one key separator between these between these quarterbacks and these teams with Mahomes, the Chargers, and Herbert, and Denver, and Russell Wilson, Denver has a great secondary. The Chargers don't necessarily have a great. They don't. They got really good. They got they got good players in their secondary, like Darren James, Asante Samuel Jr. He proved to be a really good pick for the Chargers this year, right? Like they got like the Chargers. They got good players. Kansas City got good players, but as a unit, Denver has the best secondary. It's going to be really interesting to see. What happens and what's going to be the great separator? But I think the one advantage that Denver has, which is really important in a division like this, is that they have a great secondary and could have a really good pass rush. That that could be that could prove to be the one big key advantage that Denver has. That the other that these other teams don't have a great secondary versus really good quarterbacks. That's that. That's that. Um, so like I said, I wanted to get to the Celtics. I want to talk about the Celtics. Uh yeah, let me talk about the Celtics. I'm gonna end it, I'm gonna end it off after that. All right, so I want to talk about the Celtics. Um, because a couple summers ago, I sold my Celtics stock. I used to be I, I used to be really high on the Celtics and pro Celtics. Um, but I sold my Celtics stock due to their front office. I you know, if you if you're a regular listener to this podcast and so forth, you guys know I used to bang on Danny Ainge for not going big and not being aggressive and just trying to protect these picks. And throughout the since I've started this podcast. I have talked about the importance of being aggressive. And time and time again, I've been proven right. Aggressiveness works. When teams have said, hey, they when teams have gone all out and have traded picks for stars, it's worked. It's worked time and time again. When teams have been aggressive all throughout sports, it can be hell, it can be baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. When the Dodgers decided to be aggressive and go all in, get talent, what happened? World Series. Rams, they've been aggressive. They've been really aggressive. I have I have outlined and talked about the aggressiveness of the Rams. What happened? Make a move for Jerry. Make a move. They traded Jared Goff. Go get Matthew Stafford. Go get all these other guys. Odell Beckham, Von Miller. When you're aggressive, what happens? Uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl champion. Time and time again. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, aggressive. Go out to Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion. Now we got Denver Broncos, aggressive. They get Russell Wilson. We'll see what happens. 
time and time again, when teams are aggressive and take big swings, it usually works. Usually works. When they're going out the stars, when they're getting the right star, when they're going out to the superstar quarterback, when they're going out to really talented quarterbacks, huh? Who knows? Oh, it really works. It works. The being aggressive works. So for years and years, I banged on Danny Ainge because for time after time, the Celtics have had so many assets over the years, and they just seem to never really cash in. It always seemed like the Celtics were just waiting on LeBron to leave the East and go West. Eventually he did. Kawhi comes East. They still not now Giannis has taken over. Now it's Durant and BK. Now you got Harden and Philadelphia. So time and time again, the Celtics, they just, they just disappointed me with their lack of aggressiveness. And it's more so a Danny Ainge thing. So I sold my Celtics stock a couple years ago, a couple summers ago. Now, um, Brad Stevens in the front office, uh, M.A. Udoka, he's now the head coach of the Celtics. Jason Tatum, I, you guys know, if you're a regular listener, I've been high on Jason Tatum for years. Jason Tatum seems, he seems as if he is taking the next step to superstardom. He is taking that next level to superstardom, and he is defending home court anytime an opposing superstar comes in there. And I like the Celtics team. I still think they lack some depth, um, but I do like the Derek Wright trade. Um, but they're starting, as far as their core five, their core five, when they're on the floor, they're really good. You look at their plus minus, you look at their offensive rating, you look at their defensive rating. When they have their five guys on the court, which is which consists of like Smart, Tatum, Brown, Robert Williams, uh, Horford, when they have those guys on the floor, they're a really good basketball team. And you, you just look at the offensive numbers, look at all of the defensive numbers, the defensive rating, the like they're a really good team when they have their core guys on the floor. The drop off happens where it happens when they go to their bench. That's where the drop off happens. So that's what worries me about the Celtics. But I figured I'm going to Boston really soon. I want to be treated nicely. Right? I want to be treated nicely. And it's bad enough. People, and I know, and I, the reason why I'm bringing up the Celtics, because I know so many people from Boston. So many people. I have I, I know so many people. I have so many friends in Boston. And they tell me all the time, they're like Isaiah, you're too hard on Boston. You're too hard on the Patriots. And what and, and, and what and what I have what I have tried to get my friends from Boston to understand is this. Okay, I may be hard on Boston, but I, I'm right. Like I'm I'm right a lot. When I talk about these Boston, like the Patriots. When I talk about the Patriots, I'm right. I have been proven right time and time again about the Patriots over the past two and a half years. Over the past two and a half years, I have been right on just about everything I have said about the Patriots. So when they say, Oh, you're too hard on the Celtics, you're too hard on the Patriots, like I'm not. I'm really I and, and okay, if I'm okay, I may be a little hard on them, but I'm right. So I think for now on, I think a lot of my people, a lot of my people that I know from Boston 
and just looking at looking at um looking at how many people that listen to this podcast geographically that's from Boston. I just think my Boston people, I need my Boston people to understand that yes, I may not be a fan of your team or of your teams, but when it comes to me talking about your teams, I'm usually right. So take that how you want to. But for that that goes for all my Boston people. All my Boston people cuz I know so many people now. And it's kind of funny, but I know pe- I know a lot of people in Boston. <laughs> so I want to be treated nicely. So I'm going to Boston really soon. I want to be treated nicely in Boston. I got a lot of friends. But that's the truth. I think the Celtics, I'm not going to say they're necessarily like contenders or pretenders, but I think the Celtics they're going to they're going to be really really interesting to watch down the stretch and in the playoffs because there's a the east is really deep. The east is really competitive this year. And I think the east they have a few contenders. The east have a couple of teams that I think could make legitimate final run, final runs. But I think the Celtics they're going to be really interesting because mark my words. And this may be a hot take but I think the Celtics in the playoffs this year, at some point, whether that's in the first round or the second round, I think they're going to beat a contender. So contenders out east, be careful. Because I think the Celtics and the way how Jason the emergence of Jason Tatum, obviously, I like Jalen Brown as the second option and so forth. This core, the core group of the Celtics, I really like. It's it's the bench that worries me and that scares me. But for the Celtics, I think they're gonna eventually they're gonna essentially upset a contender out east in the playoffs this year. I don't know who it's gonna be because the East is you know the Eastern Conference standings right now is a bit jumbled up. Um, the Celtics could very well get home court advantage, um, but I think they're gonna be the contender this year. I don't know who that's gonna be, but I think they're gonna be. I think they have the ability and the potential to beat a Eastern Conference contender. Um, but yeah, that's that. I get a lot of, I get a lot of, um, I'm not going to say hate mail, but a lot of my friends from Boston, they tell me I'm too hard on their teams. So this is not me necessarily like, re- like releasing my hardness, quote unquote, cause they say I'm hard on their teams, but this is me more so paying homage to the Celtics and some of my friends that say I'm too hard. But if you're from Boston and you're listening to my podcast, shout out to you. Um, A lot of you guys typically listen to my podcast. So shout out to you. Um, I'm going to end this episode off right here. Um, Big time episode. I wanted, I, I please guys, forgive me. I wanted to talk about more NBA content, but I just couldn't because all of these breaking news in the NFL. So sorry about that. Next episode, I will be back um, with some NBA content. Without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Always remember two choices, one decision. This is your boy, Isaiah Kitt. I'm out. I'm gone. Peace. Deuces. Hope you guys enjoyed.